Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Everybody, welcome back to the Believe in Temple Football Podcast, Season One, Episode Sixteen. We're back. I'm John DeCarlo, the editor of Alsoop.com. Joined again, as always, by Adam DeMichael, former Temple quarterback, former Temple assistant coach, briefly a former Philadelphia Eagle. What's going on, man? Good to see you again. How are you? Hey, hey, man. Hey, John. Listeners, man. Um, I know it's been a little while for us, but I know I'm excited to to talk a little bit about some um, obviously some exciting news with some transfers that that, that we got here at Temple and. Uh, some some names and you know obviously at a pivotal position um but I know uh yeah, we got a lot going on back here in Pittsburgh I know you got a lot going on there with a, obviously I've been following you and Al Scoop a lot of stories out and a lot of different things happening um yeah I'm getting uh I'm getting ready for my my brother Alex who's uh right below me in, in our family family tree or whatever with the Michael brothers and, and sisters he's getting married on Thursday so we're trying to Get that thing all squared away. Then we're heading up to New York to, to, for, my, for my wife's uh, to see my wife's family for two weeks. So we're gonna drive up there. As you can imagine that with our two little boys. So that'll be interesting. Um, so we got a little bit of stuff planned here, man. But uh, I'm excited to get get rolling with this with this episode for sure. Are you a are you a co best man this week? I don't. You know, it's weird because there's there's five boys. Like my oldest brother Dom got married. I was his best man, right? So like, whenever I was, it's my turn to get married. It's like. I have to pick him, right? Because, you know, he picked me. So my youngest got married before me. He mm-hmm. picked none of our brothers. He picked one of his best friends. So that kind of threw the, everything off. Mm. So this is kind of a different wedding. It's not, you know, in a church or, you know, it's not a big one. It's, you know, it's just going to happen quick. We're going to have a little party afterwards. It's one of those, get it done, you know, have your family and friends around. Neither of them, you know, him or his uh, fiance, soon to be wife, didn't want nothing major, mm-hmm. which was interesting, but you know, they're, you know, it'll, it'll be fun though. I think like I said, we got a lot of friends coming. So family will be around. Um, so I know I probably should be the best man, but I think he would pick my brother, Anthony, you know, they had like, a, they're like, I don't know, 18 months or 19 months apart. So they've always been like a tandem, you know what I mean? You know, they yeah. played, you know, one year behind each other and they used to beat up kids. This used to get beat up by me at the same time. So you know how that works. You don't have to make a speech. No, no, no. I, I did my one speech. I think I might be done if I'm, I, I don't think no one, I, don't, I don't think I'll be any more best man. You know, I was in a couple other weddings. I'm in a couple come December. I'm in one come December. A good friend of mine. I'm not the best man, but I think my speech days are over. So I'm hoping to never have to ever give a speech again, <laughs> unless you know I become the the head coach at Temple University. There you go. There you <laughs> Can't go. Imagine that. You know what, John? Um, you know, before we get started, I know I'm not. You know, I'd love to stay on topic, but I know I'm sure you saw the the tragic news that happened in Texas. Terrible. Um, and again, man, just hopefully, you know, if, if, if we're prayers, if you're a prayer person, you know, love to you know, say a prayer for those, those families of those young kids and the teacher. Um, and I say that because, you know, I was just put my son Avery to bed, you know, before we got on here, as I was texting, you know, I just, you know, talked to Grace and I just gave him a piece of a Swiss cake roll. And he's like, come, let me come in, daddy. I had to like give him the boot out of here. It's like, you know, I'm going to take my kids to school soon. Right. And many times I can't, can't, I'm going to drop them off and you just expect when you drop them off and you're able to pick them up and mm-hmm. parents in Texas didn't have that opportunity today. And, you know, I just, it's sad. And, it's very know, sad. 
We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be the greatest country in the world, and it only seems to happen in this scale. Ain't that here. crazy? And, and I, then, um, <clears throat> go ahead. Sorry. No, and I just, uh, I mean, it's the most obvious thing to say. Something needs to be done about it, and it's yeah. things are so gridlocked right now, and it's a sin. But yeah, I, it is. And then, um, again, on another note, I know you know another Temple Wow, Kevin Nagani lost his mother. Yes. Uh, over the weekend. I don't, I don't know her name. I saw it on social media. Um, so again, Kevin, uh, all your temple family is, uh, is here for you, man. I know, you know, I read your stories and, you know, we've talked in the past, I know John, you and John got a good relationship. So, you know, keep fighting the good fight, man. And so again, you know, two, two sad stories, extremely sad stories, but hopefully we can you know pick it up with some good temple football moments here. Yeah. Mrs. Nagandi was incredible. And he was, um, uh, Usharani Sampat Nagandi. Uh, the, I'm actually going to the service for her on Friday, and awesome. uh, I'll just say this quickly you know, she was so 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 proud of Kevin. Kevin and I go back more, more than 20 years, went to college together at Temple, and um, he always says, I'm the man that I am because of her. Uh, Kevin started at Syracuse, thought, Hey, I, I want to get into broadcast journalism. I have to go to Syracuse, went up there, found out pretty quickly that it wasn't for him. And he's told the story where little did he know that his mom was doing research for him and was just looking out for a son. She's like, you need to be a temple. And he took her advice. And back in 2015, he was temple's commencement speaker. And the night before, I believe, we got to go, my wife Chelsea and I got to go to a, a dinner that he invited us to where some of the trustees were there and um, got to see her. I've only been around her a few, like a handful of times in my life, but she was just, she just had a real cool presence about her and we were taking pictures and my wife just gets the biggest kick out of this. And she was like, no, 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 you got to be here. The lighting's better over here. And she was just <laughs> like every detail she could fight for just a simple picture. And then that next day when he just absolutely nailed his commencement speech, uh, I sat in the box in the Leah course center mm-hmm. with his family. And I just looked over a few times at his, at his mom and she was just, you could just tell how proud she was. And he always used to say he was going to make a promise to his mom saying, I'll be talking to you in the living room every day, uh, from TV. And, uh, it's uh, my heart breaks for him. She's been sick for a while. And when I got that text a little after midnight, a couple of nights ago, it broke my heart because he loves her so much. And I know he's going to continue to make her proud. And we've, we've talked about it a lot over the past several months. Cause we're both going through the same thing. My dad's hanging in and he's battling cancer, but we know, we know what he's up against and it's uh, it's a hard thing, but I know he's going to continue to make her proud. So I appreciate you bringing that up, Adam. I'm sure it'll mean yeah, a lot yeah. to yeah, absolutely, man. And um, enjoy yourself on, on Friday. It'll be a tough moment, but I'm sure seeing people like you and, you know, I'm sure there'll be thousands of people there to, to celebrate her life. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, we did, yeah, as, as, as Adam mentioned at the, at the outset of the show here, um, we do have a lot of stuff to go over, some, some roster updates. And, and we've talked in the past about how uh, during spring ball, Stan Drayton, said that he wanted to add some depth and competition at a few positions. And one of them was quarterback. I think if anything, Stan's been pretty honest and they finally did that. So they got a commitment from Quincy Patterson out of the transfer portal. He spent two seasons at Virginia tech before transferring to North Dakota state, kind of a, an interesting story about his season. He helped them do a seven and zero start last season before he suffered a shoulder injury. So he eventually came back into the lineup, but Cam Miller stayed in there as the starter 
and he helped them do another FCS national championship. North Dakota State, as you guys know, kind of like dominates that that level. Uh, but Patterson still continued to see some, you know, some uh, some running reps in there as a quarterback. He had 11 carries, 98 yards in that championship game. So they ran some running packages for him. Uh, he had 660 rushing yards, seven rushing touchdowns, 813 passing yards, and eight passing touchdowns. Um, those completion percentage is kind of the one stat that'll throw you off a little bit, 54.5%. But he was a, a big-time recruit coming out of high school. He was a four-star recruit, ranked 15th nationally by rivals at his position in the 2018 class when he was at Chicago's Solorio Academy. So, Adam, you're you're a little familiar with him, right? You watched, yeah, him, yeah. It's, it, you watched it's, him play? Um, I think this is an interesting story. Yeah, I mean, you know how it is. Uh, you got a staff, and, you know, obviously at Temple we lost a couple of – you know, quarterbacks had the transfer portals and I was, you know, pretty transfer portal heavy trying to just, you know, you just sit back there and you scour the portal, you scour the internet, look at who's in, who's out, who's leaving, are they officially in, you got to reach out to certain people, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, you know, quarterbacks would pop up and you see that on Twitter and it's a big deal, you know, almost a bigger deal than any other position in the portal. So, you know, we did our due diligence, obviously, and, you know, Dewana came to us, um, but when you see Quincy there, fairly similar um to an extent you know i think as fans we all thought the one would have ran the ball ran the football more last year and obviously with some injuries and and whatnot that didn't necessarily happen so when you add somebody like quincy with his ability to to run the football the way he does and then you know be able to throw the football as you saw his you know the yards and touchdowns and you know leading that team to a seven and oh start before getting hurt. Um, that's a big deal. So yes, we did our due diligence. Um, the, the, the kid has something to him. Um, he's a guy that I think the, the players could follow. You know, when you see a quarterback be physical in the run game, um, when you see a quarterback run somebody over, not that I've ever done that in my entire existence of living or playing the position. Um, it's just something that the rest of the team kind of just like, Oh, wow. Like this guy's playing this physical let me go ahead and make this tackle or let me go ahead and make this block for him on this quarterback, uh, you know, power or whatnot. You know what I mean? So it'll be interesting to see the dynamic between him, you know, and, and Dewan, and then obviously, uh, you know, Mariano is still there. And then, you know, Kurt Warner's look, little boys will be in there. So I think you, you got to add as many guys as you can to that room to, to get the competition brewing. And I think, I, you know, when I read one of your stories that maybe Dante did is just talking about how, and he wasn't promised anything and he was just looking for a chance to compete. And I, you know, when you hear that coming from a guy that's, you know, been at the, the highest of high, you know, Virginia tech and a four-star recruit 15th in his position, like you mentioned, and then, you know, not necessarily coming back down to reality, but, you know, going somewhere a little smaller level and then, you know, back up to division one level and, you know, finally getting that chance to be a guy. You know, now we'll just have to go out and earn it. So I'm, I know I'm excited being a former quarterback, um, to, to, to see another guy in that room to compete. And I'm sure the fans will be excited whenever they get to see some stuff come fall camp. Adam, did that impress you when you read that, that, you know, you said, I'm not, I don't want to be guaranteed anything again, you know, words can only be, yeah, words are a certain thing to a certain extent. A guy has to go out and prove it with his actions. But like you said, a guy like that, who was once a highly touted recruit. I mean, is that about all you can ask for a guy coming in if, you know, he's not yeah, exactly title? Yeah. Yeah. You, you would hope that, you know, it's not just words and he comes in and does whatever is necessary for, you know, the, the team to win football games, whether like, like, like you said, I mean, I think, you know, we'll talk about this in a minute, but say they have their competition and 
Dewan comes out on top, then what happens? You know what I mean? How does he respond? What's the situation for him then? You know, is he going to be a guy that's still a, a team first kind of guy, someone that the team can, you know, get excited around? How's he going to be on the sidelines? You know what I mean? Those kind of things. They're going to be a package for him. He's going to be happy with the package that he's in. Um, I would imagine if Dewan is the guy, there will be a, a package for Quincy. But again, there will be, um, you know, whenever, you know, they get back into it, they're probably doing some throwing and stuff now. Um, but or whenever he does report, I'm not sure when that is, but it'll be interesting to see when fall camp comes, the reps and, you know, who's getting what with the ones, you know, and that'll be fun to watch. Or at least, you know, see what you'll see whenever you get there for your last 30 minutes, John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, I mean, how do you think, again, you, you were you were around Duan a little bit. How do you think he reacts to this? You think, I mean, you think I this is like an iron sharpens iron type of thing? Or do you, and again, it's, you hope so. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I, I guess it's kind of unfair to speculate because we're not sitting here talking to him directly, but you know, know, around right. him a little bit. But, you know, do you think he gets better because of this? Do you think he is thinking, all right, maybe the staff isn't as confident in me? What do you, th- what do you think is going through? Yeah, his I, I don't think he's ever, I don't think a person ever gets better by someone else coming into the room. Um, in this manner, like there's been times where like, okay, another guy came in the room for me and he showed me something mentally or helped me with a read or uh, a play or how to study or certain footwork. But I don't think, you know, the one is going to be going to be any better. I don't, and I doubt that he works any harder because Quincy's here. It's like, and I don't think he wants to do that because he doesn't want to see the team, see a change in him just because there's another quarterback in the room. You would hope that Dewan is the same guy every day. And I think that he is from when I was around him and from when I talked to the guys um, when I did leave. You know, it seems like he's, you know, initially he came in, started doing some things, and then he stopped. Now he's back to, you know, being who he was when he first got there. So um, you hope that, you know, the competitive side of him and Quincy and the other quarterbacks in the room just push each other and find ways to get each other better. Because there's stuff that Quincy knows and has been around um, that Devon probably doesn't, you know, because they, they've both been at you know big time Division One football programs, and now they you know not got got not got knocked down in, uh, uh, the ladder a little bit, you know, being a Temple, and it's like okay, come back to reality now. What do I have to do to to lead this team to you know to be the the, the quarterback? So I I hope he doesn't do anything different. But I hope he understands that, okay, now that I, I would imagine that they told him, hey, you know, we're going to bring somebody else in, just a matter of who and when, when that happens. And this, was, this seems to be their guy. Mm-hmm. Two other quick questions for you before we move on to a couple of the other things we got to talk about here. So the one, I guess, knock on Patterson is that he just – he's been more of a running quarterback, supposed to be a really smart kid. I think he was a, a business major at Virginia Tech – seems to have the right attitude, but he hasn't proven himself as a guy who can, you know, throw it at a high percentage, like 20, 25 times a game. So entering this stage of his career, I mean, yes, you know, players can always improve, but as a, as a guy who played the position and as a guy who's coached the position, can you, can you get that out of a guy this late in his career to say, Hey, you know, we know you can run. And like you said, I think you made a great point earlier. I think you, you gain the respect of your teammates when you see a guy running with authority out of that position and taking on tacklers and all that stuff. Can you, can you get a guy 
who threw it a, a completion percentage of 54.5% last year. Can you get that out of him this year to say, Hey, we can make you a 60, 61, 62% yeah. passer at this level. Yeah. I think that, you know, you're gonna have to look at the offensive quarter, the offensive coordinator and, you know, obviously he's the quarterback coach as well. And, and I'm sure he talked to Quincy and said like, Hey, listen, this is our plan for you. This is how we're going to make you into that 60% quarterback completion percentage kind of guy. This is how we're going to make you into that guy that throws for 3000 yards and rushes for a thousand yards. I think that the, the offensive corner is going to have to put him into a position to be successful. I don't think that you're going to be able to just go ahead in there and run the ball with Quincy three times in a row and then punt it. You know, and the defense is going to be dialed in it. If, if there's no, they don't show the confidence in Quincy early on in the season, later on in the season, teams are just going to be stacking the ball. And they did that against us at times. You know what I mean? Whenever, you know, when I was at Temple, like, hey, they're not going to throw the football until third down. Let's just stack the box. They can't, they, and in our league, like, you're going to have to win one on ones. I mean, we were going against Cincinnati for the last seven years, and they played man to man across the board. It's like, okay, you have to win. And we weren't winning against the old man Sauce Gardner over there in Cincinnati last year. Mm-hmm. Now, there were times where we did, don't get me wrong, um, but that's what they say. Like, you have a running quarterback, show me how you can beat me with his arm. So, whether that's them, you know, some play action game, some a couple of trick plays, some quick passes, you know what I mean? Just find ways to get them in rhythm, some naked. And again, I mean, that's how you have to do it, in, in my opinion. And it's going to have to, you know, start with obviously the offensive coordinator and putting them in a position to be successful. And hopefully, you know, that happens fairly quickly. Yeah, when he talked to when he talked to Pete Thamel from ESPN, who broke the story. I'm reading an excerpt from a story here. He he also clicked with veteran offense coordinator, Danny Langsdorf, who he said will likely run the offense 30% from under center and 70% from shotgun. Now, whether that actually happens, we'll see, but some interesting insight there. It's more than you know, we kind of learned from, from the spring. But, um, yeah, really interesting development there. And the final question I had for you is, can you, you've competed at that position before, like with Vaughn. You dealt with injuries and stuff, but, like, what – what is it like to be involved in a quarterback competition where you both you're competing with guys, you want the same thing, you want to win, but you're also trying to have an edge. Everybody wants to yeah. start, you know, yeah, you what, how edge, is right? it? Is it awkward? Is it awkward? Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, it is. It's strangely awkward. And, and I would be, I would be lying if I said it wasn't, you know, not that, Again, I'm not going to use Vaughn. Like, I, I like Vaughn, and we haven't talked, obviously, in a little while. We're friends on Facebook. He has an awesome family. Mm-hmm. Like, it was. Like, he had a set of friends, like, and they probably wanted Vaughn to be the quarterback. And then mm-hmm. I had a set of friends, and they probably wanted me to be the quarterback. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, when you get into the room, um, and, you know, the late, great George Daly owner, you know, Matt rolls in there asking you questions, and you guys are talking ball and stuff, and, you know, right there, it's not awkward. You know what I mean? When you're out there on the field going through reps, you know, it's not awkward. You know, and sometimes it might be awkward, like Saturday morning and they haven't named the starter yet. And mm-hmm. it's like, all right, you know, like you're looking at Vaughn and you're looking at Chester and he's looking at you. And it's like, who's going to be the guy? And you get the headset, like, it's you. And then, you you know, I remember one time they told me, <clears throat> it might have been that, he might have played Clemson one year. And they might have beat us like 66 nothing, something crazy. And yeah. they told me that I was going to start, and I didn't start. And then I got on the headset, and they told me I was going to go in, and they didn't put me in. And that was awkward. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, the coaches made it awkward. Not Vaughn or I, not Vaughn or myself. It's just like, you know, sometimes it's like, hey, 
we're going to play the third series. And then next thing you know, I go down the field and throw two touchdowns and we're up 14 nothing. You think they're going to put the backup in then? So yeah. you gotta find, got to find ways to manage uh, a quarterback competition. Sometimes you hope that you have that one guy that is, you know, not far and away better than the rest, but it's just that clear-cut starter that everybody knows this is your leader, you know, going into the season and we're going to roll with this guy even when things get rough because they're going to be rough. You know, there's going to be a six for 21 day and you're going to win, you know, 14, 13. It's like, okay, what are you going to do then? Is he still your guy? So the team always looks to, at the quarterback position and the quarterback competition first and foremost. And then they kind of like barrels down the rest of the competition, you know what I mean? Down to the running backs and who's going to get carries and who's your four receivers. And so, yeah, it, it's a tad awkward sometimes, but at the same time, I think, if everybody's you know rowing the same way and on the same boat, it could it could easily work, and it should work. So that actually happens. Like the guys aren't lying. You know, when reporters like us go in and say, "Hey, did you did you know when did you find out you were going to be the starter?" And you know, sometimes guys will say, "Yeah, I didn't really know until right up before uh, <laughs> the game." Like, and again, I get it. Like sometimes players aren't going to tell us everything that we want to know. They may, they might have known, but they might want to tell reporters something different. But you're telling us that that literally happens. Sometimes you don't know yeah, yeah, right yeah. before. Yep, absolutely. Now that was my first year where I told you, like we've talked about this many a times. We were awfully bad, so you know they didn't know what the heck they wanted to do either. It's like who you know, who do you want to play? Who do you? you're going to get out there and get your butt whooped and get hurt. So, but it definitely happens. You know, there's times where it's like, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to make a decision tonight. We're going to be, you know, that whole game time decision, <laughs> game time, starting quarterback, who that's going to be. So yeah, it's, it's happened before, but I, I doubt it happens too much nowadays. Cause I would imagine that Friday night, a lot of guys are probably, you know, a little sleepless. Like, am I going to be the guy or not tomorrow? Like, how am I going to prepare? You know, you hope everyone prepares the same way, but, you know, sometimes some people don't know. I would imagine that if you're the starter, you're preparing at this level. Mm-hmm. If you're the backup, you're a little below him. Even though some guys say the backup press just as hard, mm-hmm. he knows he's not going in the game until unless, you know, bearing injury. So yeah. I've been there before. Before we get on to the, the, the rest of the podcast here, just a reminder that, that the podcast, the Believe in Temple Football podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. So it's really easy to get started. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right. So uh, to continue to move on here and, and talk about some other Temple football related things, um, since we recorded, last recorded, they've announced, officially announced six more additions to the 2022 class over the last month. Um, Jakari Norwood, a transfer running back out of Illinois, Adonica Sanders, a pretty good receiver out of Georgia Tech, who could help them mm-hmm. out, Brandon Scott, a Juco safety. And then prior to that, they had added three more guys, including Jacob Porter, uh, who finished up his career in Adams End of the State out of North Allegheny High School. He had 37 tackles, uh, nine sacks as a, as a senior. He's not as highly ranked as his brother was as a cornerback before heading to Penn State, Joey Porter Jr., but he's still, from what I can tell, uh, a solid pickup for them after he previously committed to Yale. I, I don't, can't remember if I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but yeah, I talked to my friend Paul Zeiss, who works at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and his son uh, had played at North Allegheny before he played at Pitt. And um, 
you know, sees him as a guy that they can really develop and, and work with. And I was just curious to get your thoughts on, uh, on him as well. You know, mm-hmm. again, they need, well, again, they need, they need help pretty much every position. We've said this is going to be a rebuild and whether he ends up as like a, you know, outside linebacker in, in, uh, in their scheme or rush end, something like that. Um, was just curious if you had, uh, maybe not gotten the chance to see him live, but just what you, what you hear about him, uh, as yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, so that's a good pickup. Obviously I love when we find ways to get guys out of Pittsburgh. And I think we, you know, I, who was the, the Duke O-lineman that just, uh, transferred, what was his name? Peace. Peace Otto. Yes. And he's a yeah, St. So Francis kid. Yeah. St. Francis. So you're, it's pretty cool. You know, adding more depth to the offensive line room again. I mean, obviously you had another running back with speed and then Adonicus helps with, you know, losing both Jaden and Randall, you know, it continues to add to that room with the guys we already have and then the other transfers. But um, when you talk about, uh, when you talk about uh, Porter, um, Terry Smith, who's um, at Penn State, obviously coached at Temple for a season. My first year he was a receiver coach. Now he's coaching the DBs and, so obviously doing really well there and recruits at a high level. He texted me one day when I was at Temple there still. He was like, listen, the, the Harper kid at, at NA, you guys have to go on him. Mm-hmm. They, they thought that he was a tight end. Like, he ran for them, and, you know, he, he gave me his numbers. And, you know, we talked, and, you know, I sent him, I sent everyone his stuff, and we just weren't looking for a, uh, you know, a tight end at the moment um, type of thing. So now that you're putting him on the defensive side of the ball, seeing how he grows – Seeing the developmental side of things, I think that's where they probably see him. A kid that can, like I said, grow and rush the passer at a high level would be nice. A competitive kid. Um, but, yeah, there's some stuff. And, again, like Terry talked about, you know, Terry talked about him. I mean, he, he usually sent me guys that were just below the Penn State level in his mind, but, you know, would be good Temple kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully he's still, like you mentioned, man, a solid pickup for them. And he seems to be a pretty – obviously going to Yale. My brother talked about him a little bit, you know, my brother Holy Cross. Um, so it's cool that, you know, that they're, they're trying to get into this side of the state a little bit, not as much as you would think. But it'll be interesting to see what he does and how he handles that transition from North Allegheny High School football to, you know, the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Adam, one more thing to get to before we finish out with a few mailbag questions that got emailed to us. Um they're, they're starting the first of several camps this weekend. You know, Stan Drayton is hosting his first Temple camp as, as Temple's new head coach uh, during Memorial Day weekend. Um, you've been around it. You know how important camps have been. I mean, a lot of programs can say that their camps are important, but they've been especially, especially important uh, to Temple. Going back to what Al Golden used to talk about and talking to me about how, you know, he said, I want to run the best one day camp in the country. We can't compete. And at the time, you know, programs were still doing like two, three, four day overnight camps. And he's like, well, we'll never be able to compete with that. But if I can provide one of the best one day camps around and evaluate people, that's how we can start making some headway. And it's been so important to the, to the program, just to just bring our listeners inside what goes into that, how important it's been to you guys in the past with the program. It's, monumental the importance of that camp and I say that for a number of reasons obviously it's the first camp of the camp season like literally of everybody else in NCAA football I don't know how that is now because I think I've seen some people trying to you know jump in on that it was the first camp so you're talking every kid wanted to get to that first camp to get those set of eyes on on their their or the parents or the kids want to get those first sets of eyes on them 
we would have we would have every coach on the east coast essentially northeast coast north in the northeast that would be coming to the tar camps so we would have guys from you know our level then we have like every one double a or at the time school um every fcs school at the time would be coming to evaluate kids that were on the brink you know what i mean they're are they at the Villanova level you know they're the james madison level at the time or are they you know they're temple guys or they you know what I mean? Penn State guys or, well, you know, what, what level are they? We would get, I don't know, say 800 to 600 to 800 to 1,000 kids on that one-day camp. And that's when we were, like, using one field at the time, I think. Mm-hmm. Even we were using one field. Like we didn't even go up top or to the indoor. So it was just, there were people everywhere. And it's, it's good money for, you know, for, for the university or for, for the football program to, to um, excuse me, to, you know, make a couple bucks and get some stuff. But just having that many coaches there from other schools brings all those other kids here, which was, which was just crazy to us. And then obviously when Rod came, we stopped doing it. And I think that hurt us a little bit, but you just would see kids there. And, and it was just a big deal to us to get that in-person evaluation of those guys and being able to coach them through our drills. You know what I mean? Like, like we like Kenny Pickett, for instance, we talked about him before. Yeah. We got we saw him at camp and like said, okay, we're gonna take him after we train him at camp. Like Paul Armstead at camp. I mean, I can go Matt Hennessy, like no one wanted Matt Hennessy. We saw Matt Hennessy at camp. I was like, no, we need Matt Hennessy. Mm-hmm. I can go, I can keep going. Like I, I, so was I yeah, I had awesome. here. I wanted to ask you about your favorite camp recruitment stories. You just rattled off some. Yeah, I mean, those guys were there. It's like like Armstead, obviously we talked before. I remember Fran brought him, Fran Brown brought him in, was like, he's the backup, but watch him run. And he was in the waiting room with EO and like we brought him in with like hey man we're about to offer you you gotta make your dang decision because we want you here mm-hmm. and he lit it up at camp and we offered him he you know jumped on board but it was the, at the one at one time or another John it was like 78% of our team came to camp I think that's what you want because like then when you're wrong you know why you're wrong it's not like mm-hmm. you didn't see the kid live or you didn't right. coach him and realize like wow I can't push this kid I can't push his buttons because he's going to fold or he's going to shut down mentally and, or he's too emotional or wow, you know, he's definitely not a defensive line. We got to move into tight end. Like when you get them and get around them, you could feel their vibe and feel what they're about, their energy, their toughness, you know, what are they, how do they act when they're tired? Like you can put them through the ringer and pretty much do whatever you want um, when they're on your campus at the camp. So, you know, you would hope that you get, you know, this camp back running again. I'm sure, like I said, the, the Weezer hands of the world and those guys that are, you know, back on staff told them, like, hey, listen, you've got to be crazy not to, to run this camp. I always thought that doing a camp at the beginning like this and then doing one at the end of July when the kids that don't have offers, they're still fishing for offers, like, man, I need to get some more eyes on me. I'm going to go back to this Temple camp end of July when, you know, everyone else is on vacation. Let's get that one done. So the first one and the last one were important to the Temple staffs of the past. And they were always good to us because, you know, we got to evaluate our kids and that was a, that was a big deal, you know, to get mm-hmm. offensive eyes on them and the defensive eyes on them. At the same yeah, time. absolutely. Um, so we got a, a few mailbag questions that were emailed to us this week, to close things out. Uh, the first one is, can you talk about, and these are all for, for Adam. Can you talk about a favorite teammate who maybe didn't get as many of the headlines as you did someone who was a bit underrated, but equally important to Temple's turnaround during your time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, you know, one of my best friends in, in, in life, I guess, you know, and is Jason Harper, mm-hmm. played wide receiver um, for us and, you know, caught a lot of football, played running back 
wore had some big old legs. You know, took me mm-hmm. on my official visit was my was my host on my official visit. Um, had some big old legs, big calves. Played running back our first year. Then we moved him receiver and was our you know number two receiver behind Bruce Francis. I think he caught like I wish I could look it up real quick before we start. I think he caught like 14 balls for like 216 or 225 mm-hmm. against Kent State one time. Mm-hmm. But just a guy that, you know, again, changed positions, you know, quiet kid, ran for a ton of yards in high school, you know, under the radar, um, you know, didn't play football after college. But just a guy that, you know, and, I, and again, I tell him this all the time, had a lot more in him than he really gave. Mm-hmm. But when he went on the field during the games, you know, he was pretty good, you know. And that was that's probably one of them. Um, Eli Joseph was another one of my favorite teammates. This is big Eli, not Peanut. Mm-hmm. But Peanut was good, too. Don't tell him I said that. Right. He, he probably ripped my head off. <laughs> but Eli was just a was just a maniac. You know, not you know, not many people talk about D-linemen. Again, now you do a temple, don't get me wrong. But, right. you know, when Eli was there, it was just like big Muhammad Wilkerson. Like, you know, there was Junior Gillespie at the time. Um, Terrence Knight was still there maybe one year, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Like, Alex Joseph was playing linebacker. Peanut was – like, you had NFL guys – all over the place. So he kind of got, you know what I mean, pushed back a little bit, ended up playing in the league and doing really, you know, successful right now in life and then has himself a, a, a little daughter. So those are two, two of the guys that just popped in my head quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, next question. You've been out of college coaching for almost a full year now. How is your business coming along and what have you learned from conducting workouts and training players? Um, it's been scary that it's been a year. It feels like longer because every time I look, it's like it's going to be two years two seasons, you know what I'm saying? I missed last season. This season's about to start in a hundred days. So it's scary that, I, you know, I just saw that today. I was going to haircut today. It was like 100 days to college football. And I'm like, dang, I miss it. You know what I mean? I still miss it, but the business is rolling, man. Um, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good with the quarterback thing. Um, my brother has a couple of new, new linebackers that we're rolling with. Uh, I've had a lot of fun. Um, I know that, you know, parents really want their kids to be successful. Parents will do pretty much anything they can to put their kids in a position to be successful. I think kids nowadays are, um, they really want to be good. They really want to be successful and they'll do whatever they can when the time is right, you know, during that workout, they'll do whatever they can to be successful and do what's right. You know, whatever you ask them at that workout, but I don't know what the kids are doing on their own. Right. Now I've realized, you know, training these kids that there's just so many different things that they're doing. Like kids are at seven on seven. I'm, I'm talking about seven on seven practice. Then kids are going to seven on seven games, travel baseball, travel basketball. I mean, I'm dealing with all of this with some of the kids that I'm you know able to work with. So it's like, okay, I thought like, like nobody's playing one sport anymore, John. I mean, if they are, I'd be, I don't know any of them. Maybe, I mean, I got a lacrosse player and it's pretty good. I got, you know, kids that are doing pretty much everything. And it's crazy to see that, you know, in 2022, that there's people just aren't doing one thing, you know, track and field, you know, they're doing everything, but they're still trying to find a way, like, I mean, find a way to work, to work out. And, you know, they've come Sundays, um, you know, one o'clock right after they come to church, come from church. I went the other day, Sunday at 9 a.m. I had seven to nine kids there that just, they just wanted to work. I've gone at 8 p.m., you know, hour drive away. So like mm-hmm. the kids want to put the, want the work they want to get better I realize that sometimes I'm like I don't know if these kids really want it but you know every day they keep coming back every day you know they ask questions and you know I mean there's concerns about you know recruiting and and it's scary for them you know why because this transfer portal is a different animal you know why but I got more you know looks I'm like hey listen this portal is a different animal right now you just have to continue pushing forward 
you know, now they're going to the camps and um you know they're just like one kid's like hey i'm going to this big camp i'm like wait a second have you ever talked to the coaches no have you ever talked to anybody that's ever gone there no i'm like okay i sound this i'm gonna have to sit down with your parents and just be like hey let's kind of just square away your situation and see what's best for you but it's been really fun man um the kids are cool there's a lot of drills that I'm doing that are probably next year at this time, I'm probably going to smack myself and say, I can't believe that you thought this was actually going to benefit those kids. <laughs> but then there's some cool stuff that the kids come back later on and like, look what I did when I got home there, you know, I've got and dang fifth graders. So it's been fun. A little long winded answer, but I'm pretty passionate about, you know, the Michael brothers performance. And I think we got it going in the right direction. You know, we have a receiver guy that's going to come help us which is cool. You know, we've been letting the receivers come and just catch balls and run routes. Now we'll have someone to be able to train them. I couldn't do both, <laughs> go back and forth, but it's been really fun just to say the least. And I've been um, been happy to be able to, you know, continue to try to make an impact. That's good stuff. Uh, last question here. What do you miss most about coaching at Temple? Um, it's probably, probably the simplest question we've ever been asked. And probably, I probably ask you the same thing. If, you know, you ever Temple, you probably say you missed the kids, the kids for me, and then you probably say the kids that you're yep. that are working under you, I would imagine. But um, you know, you miss the kids and that camaraderie of being a part of a team. I mean, I'm part of the team here with my you know, my family and wife and the kids and you know, my the Michael brothers performance, but being a part of like temple football and saying we, mm -hmm. you know, wearing that team. I just went to a golf outing the other day and I wore my temple polo. Um, but you know, you miss the kids, you miss you know, seeing kids you recruited grow up and you miss seeing the kids you recruited grow. And you've been seeing the kids that you know, struggled early in their career come out on top and graduate. And I think those, you know, monumental things in kids' lives that you're not a part of anymore are the things that you miss the most. And that's like, to me, that's the toughest part. And you just, you wish that you could sometimes go back and, you know, be a part of those things. So that's how you just, you try to stay, you can, I don't want to say relevant, but you try to stay relevant in their lives. Like, you know, you shoot messages, you shoot mm -hmm. some stuff on Instagram, you send some texts, a couple calls. But, you know, they've got little lives, too, and that's the toughest part, just trying to stay, you know, stay involved with them and let them know, if, hey, man, I know I'm not there, but if you ever need anything, I'm still here. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I told you I would be when we recruited you. So yeah. definitely the kids, I mean, far and above anything else. Mm -hmm. Good stuff, Adam. Well, thanks to everybody for, for staying with us in this episode. Thank you to all our listeners. We'll have some more episodes for you in the future and some more guests so stay tuned big thanks to adam for being with me once again always john staying safe happy and healthy out there and we'll talk to you soon be safe guys thanks john For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.